of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. In the morning hookup, man, we're off to a great start on a Monday. We're gonna keep it rolling. Gonna bring our guy from Omaha World Herald, Evan Bland. Evan, happy Monday. Hey, I can hear you. You can hear me. It's a great Monday. This is amazing. I we were sad last week. We're like, what is going on with this thing? We what we were told was there was something in the city or the state or something with certain cell phone providers that we couldn't call. Hmm. It was weird because Will tried to call me on my cell phone, and it worked, and he could hear me. It's just the oddest thing. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. The, the miracles of modern technology. Here we are. Got to love it. It's also miracles now that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl with the Eagles, and it's almost like time to mute all Chiefs fans currently. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a Bronco fan, so I... Oh, yeah, you I, muted I, them a long I would, time I be, ago. I would be disingenuous if I said I was rooting for the Chiefs last night, but... <laughs> Uh, it was a, I mean, it was a great game mm-hmm. after, especially after the first game, you're just, you're hoping for some drama at the end. And it was unfortunate that it, it came down to the penalty, um, as deserving as it probably was, uh, you know, that we're talking about the refs and things like that the next day. But yeah, I, I mean, those are the, those are the two best teams in the, in the AFC this year. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, mm-hmm. Buffalo had its moments too, but, uh, man, it was, uh, <laughs> It was fun. I mean, the, the whole uh, the the angst around Burrowhead from the Chiefs players and all that. It was it was fun. It, it almost had sort of a of a pro wrestling vibe there at the end. It did. And I want to ask you this: as you guys write about stories <laughs> um, and you highlight athletes or highlight games and go through it, do you guys like again? Because there's a ton of stuff about officiating in the NFL, especially last night with some miss this, the redo play. Do you guys have to tiptoe tiptoe through that? sometimes or is it like that could be part of your story um well i mean if i were if like if i were covering that game for example uh i know in the nfl they do pool reports so you're not you're not going to get 20 journalists surrounded by a referee but you you will have a designated pool reporter who can ask ask an official about a call and so you can get clarity on different Mm -hmm. things so i imagine that's what happened last night and there were a couple of instances with that you know the other one where it looked like uh the chiefs got that free play that they blew dead but nobody saw them blow it dead um you know earlier in the game i think that was another one so uh yeah i mean just from a reporting perspective that's kind of how that goes you like to get clarity from the officials um but yeah i mean in, in a game as as close as that when it comes down to one little thing here and there i mean there's no way around putting out the fact that you know that that late penalty Turned what would have been a sixty-yarder into a forty-five-yarder, and and make and a makeable kick. And um, I, I just think when when it's that when the the margin is that razor thin, every little thing becomes magnified. And that was just the way that it went. So you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, it, it made an impact on the game. And I think you have to report that. We got Evan Bland in my world here, hanging out with us on the morning hookup. Evan, we're like eighteen days, ten hours, and minutes and seconds away from Nebraska baseball. 
hitting the diamond, and that's not in the talk right now. The talk is is how hot uh, that staff has been on the recruiting trail, uh, not just locally. Man, they're just they're nailing it right now. Yeah, they are. Uh, I think it's six commits in five days, and that streak ended officially yesterday. So they're cooling off a little bit now. It's <laughs> now it's six commits in six days, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean. And most of the guys have the same story. Like mm-hmm. I, I talked to, I think every one of them since they committed, and and they all had the same story where they show up to the prospect camp. Uh, I guess it was a, a week ago now. They all you had to be invited, sort of an invite only thing that that coaches will be, will uh, you know lay eyes on you, and pitchers will go through bullpens and hitters will hit, and you'll go through some drills and things like that. And if you impress the coaches enough uh, with your tangibles and your intangibles, then uh, you get offers. And they, you know, have gotten six commits, essentially offering, I believe, every one of those guys out of their performance last weekend. So um, they're building uh, the, 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 the future classes. They added a 2023 kid, Will Jeske, the Lincoln Southeast infielder. Um, but then after that, you're looking ahead. You know, you have a 24 kid. You've added three in-state 2025s. Mm-hmm. You added a, a 2026 as well. So that's just kind of how baseball goes. I know if, if people follow just football recruiting, it sounds kind of odd to get commits and be building classes that far out. But that's just sort of how that works in that sport. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's following the path that the staff has always said, which was they felt like they could – um, you know, build their core around in-state talent. And, and you look at the history of, of baseball talent from the state of Nebraska, pretty darn strong, especially mm-hmm. on a per capita basis with the population that's here. So I think there's a, a recognition that, um, you know, the academies and the prospect, um, you know, uh, traveling teams and things like that have done a really good job of of developing talent in this state. And now you're starting to see, you know, future Nebraska classes being built around that. So it's pretty cool to sort of see in real time how the future of Nebraska baseball, even if it's three, four, five years down the road, is being put together. We're talking to Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. So we're talking about recruits who we just are getting uh, now. Talk about some guys who we were able to get committed last year that are now on the team that you think we uh, need to get familiar with. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's more new faces than familiar ones at this point. And we're to that point in the year now where you can start to see some roles solidifying uh, at different spots. You know, I think one guy that, that coaches have consistently mentioned uh, as a quick impact guy is going to be Dylan Carey, who's going to be the, the starting third baseman by all accounts, maybe, maybe shortstop on occasion, sort of a left side infielder. But he's out of Colorado. Um, you know, somebody they feel like has, has gained enough um, muscle mass to be able to hold up for a full season. Uh, he, he's he's the kind of guy that coaches would call a ball player, meaning he can do just a little bit of everything out there, hit, field well, things of that nature. Um, you know, in the outfield, it, it's not going to be so much freshmen as it is just new faces. I think Casey Burnham, the Kansas transfer, who's in his fifth season uh, as a college player, is going to be somebody who – uh, I think has reminded me a little bit of Jackson Hallmark, just in terms of the speed that he has, his bunt game, uh, but also a little bit of flashes of power here and there. I think that's somebody who is going to come in and make a, an immediate difference. Um, and then I think, you know, on the pitching side, probably Caleb Clark is going to be the guy uh, in terms of freshman or newcomer uh, who could make a big difference. Jace Kaminska is the Wichita State transfer 
both of those guys, uh, I think, are strong contenders to be in the weekend rotation. Kaminska almost for sure. But I think Caleb Clark, even as a freshman, has a good chance to be maybe the Sunday guy here in a couple of weeks as things get rolling. So, uh, you know, and those are just some of the names off the top. I mean, you have other other impact uh, transfer guys like Charlie Fisher from Southern Miss who could be playing first base. Uh, Michael Garza, who was the Friday starter at Incarnate Word, he might be might be a midweek guy. That's that's a, it's a mm-hmm. testament to how deep Nebraska's pitching staff is. So you have a lot of new faces. Uh, I, I think a lot of them in prominent roles, mixing with uh, you know guys that, that people know and have heard of, guys like Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews and so on. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the staff would tell you that this was a, a significant upgrade in talent um, to the point to where, in terms of a lineup it's still hard to put together, but in a different way. Whereas last year it was like, man, how are we going to fill this thing out? Now it becomes, you know, who are we leaving out or who are we maybe not even traveling on a weekend because there's some depth there. And like I mentioned on the pitching side, Nebraska could have, uh, I mean, I think they have five pitchers on their roster who've been regular Friday night guys at some point in their careers somewhere. And only one of those guys uh, is probably going to be in the rotation. Like that's how, Mm. that's how that depth sort of, uh, trickles down into the rest of the into the rest of the roster. So uh, I think they they hit on a lot of guys. We'll see. You never really know until the games start and things get rolling. But they feel really optimistic that they've added a lot of contributors. Um, you know, among the the players that they brought in this off season. Now, Evan, looking back a little bit, are they also still in the situation having to cut this roster down? Because I know at one point they were heavy, right? Right, so they have to be down to 39 by the time the first game rolls around here uh, on the 17th of February. So they've they already have moved on from a couple of guys who went JUCO. So they're down to uh, 44 officially the last time I checked. And then uh, one of the incoming freshmen, uh, uh, Hayden Lewis, is out for the year. He had Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. So he can stay on the team, but he won't count against – uh, their counter numbers. So essentially they're at 43. They need to get down to 39. Uh, it's possible that another injury or two would, would cause uh, the staff to redshirt somebody. So in that case, you wouldn't have to cut them, but you could trim it down a little bit. But I think either way, you're probably still going to have to make a decision on two or three guys. And, you know, ideally you want to do it. So those guys have a chance to join a junior college team or catch on somewhere else this season um, but yeah, it, it is. It's a situation where um, they, they still are a little bit over. Uh, the fact that it's a hard decision, I think, bodes well for you know again the depth that the team has. But yeah, it's 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 been a different vibe this off season because as I've written and we, as, as we've talked about, a lot of it's about figuring out roles and, and things like that. But in some cases, there are still roster spots being battled for here just a couple weeks before the season starts. We're talking to Evan Bland. So who are some players that we know uh, that have been playing for the past few seasons that you're expecting to have a pretty good year this this season? Well, again, I think the guys who are going to be your middle infielders, at least your starters, are two guys you're going to lean on, Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson. Um, You know, Griffin Everett is back as a fifth-year guy. That was somebody who... Really, they, they didn't expect to get back, um, so that was a, a kind of a major bonus to have him as sort of your catcher, DH, can play a little first base. Um, Josh Karen was the, the starter off in a catcher last year, and the staff feels like he took a really big jump. You look at what he did in the spring, or I'm sorry, in the summer, and in the fall, he took a step forward. And then the other guy who sort of uh, 
you know, appears like maybe he could really take that next step, who's been around for a while, is Efrai Cervantes, who mm-hmm. has sort of been a defensive specialist for them. Oftentimes he'd come in late <clears throat> in games, um, but he hasn't really shown it much with his bat. But you look at, again, what he did, <clears throat> excuse me, in the in the offseason, he took some major strides as a hitter, too, and he's a fifth-year guy who the staff really feels like, uh, you know, maybe could take that that next step and break out as an older guy, sort of like Joe Acker did a few years ago. So I think you start there offensively, um, and, you know, and then on the mound, the, the fifth year guys that you have back. I mean, you think back to last year, Kyle Perry and Shea Shannon were your Friday and Saturday guys, and now they've embraced bullpen roles. So I think you probably look at Shannon uh, as a <clears throat> as a lead closer candidate, and then Perry sort of wherever you can fit him in. Jake Buns is healthy. And back after he missed almost, you know, essentially the entire season with an injury last year, uh, and then you've got Emmett Olson who came on strong late last season, who probably projects as your Friday or Saturday guy, right out of the shoot here to to get going here um, this season. So uh, they have a lot of a lot of depth there as well. And again, like some of this is sort of a uh, a residual effect of the, the COVID years because so many of these guys would be done if it wasn't for that extra season of eligibility. But, um, you know, in the, in the, in the immediate future, that absolutely benefits Nebraska in terms of depth, in terms of, uh, you know, peer leadership, a lot of the stuff that maybe they were lacking last year. Um, so I do, I, I think it's going to be a mix of guys that you've heard of maybe taking that step forward. And then some guys who are new to the program as transfers or even freshmen, um, who are going to have some impact roles right away. Evan, uh, they, um, something that doesn't happen often for Nebraska, especially baseball, and something that some people might say, this is some of the reason why sometimes they get off to a slow start, and it's the fact that they got a gift for practice. They got to go outside. They got to go outside, hit around, see the white ball off the blue sky. Because uh, that's pretty impactful, especially because you can do a lot indoors. We have youth baseball. They do a lot indoors right now. In those first couple of weeks, it's a struggle to see the bat off the actual outside. Talk about that because that is not something that typically Nebraska gets to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a, and they got it just in time because mm-hmm. the next day was just frigid with uh, the wind and everything. So the timing was perfect for them last Friday to get out for their first official day of team practice. They got in six innings of, of scrimmage, um, and it, it is huge. I mean, you talk about the advantage that Southern teams have in college baseball, um, that's, I mean, that's, that's chief among them. I mean, those guys, if you're down in Texas or Florida or California, you've been practicing outside most of the winter and you're going to be hosting, uh, you know, games in February and early March. Um, typically that's, that's something that Nebraska and, and its fellow Northern teams have to fight against. I mean, there are years, as I wrote, that, that Nebraska won't, won't have seen a ball against the sky until the first game of the year. I mean, that's that's not all that uncommon. And so for them to even get out once or twice um, before those those that series at San Diego is is a big deal um, because there are some things that you just can't simulate uh, in the in the Alex Gordon uh, indoor complex and things like that. So yeah, I mean, it's it's maybe that's global warming working in their favor a little bit here. Uh, who knows? But uh, it, it is. It's, it's an important little advantage. Don't know that it's going to translate to different win totals or anything like that, but anytime you can get out and uh, start preparing for, again, what's a really important first few weeks of the season, uh, you'll absolutely take it. We're talking to Evan Bland. Uh, moving on over to football real quick. Evan, did you get to listen to any of uh, Matt Rule on Bussin' with the Boys, and, and what did you think? 
Yeah, he was outstanding. I mean, those those guys do a great job asking questions and, and providing sort of a relaxing, really informal environment for different thoughts. And, yeah, I mean, I, you know, everyone's going to sort of dissect his comment about uh, not wanting this thing to be a slow burn and how they feel like they can start quickly in year one. Um, you know, I think that was interesting and something that we're going to follow up with him about when he speaks to reporters on Wednesday. Um, just, you know, kind of diving into that a little further about why that might be, because stuff like that sets fan expectations, right? I mean, you think about the early portions of the Scott Frost era and how he set expectations with some of the things he said. And I think uh, Matt Rule's comment on Bussin was something that you could throw into that uh, camp a little bit. But, no, I mean, he, he had some really, uh, I thought, insightful things to say about a lot of things, about, uh, his, his assistant hires about uh, emphasis on recovery for athletes. I thought that was interesting. Um, just just the, this idea of keeping guys healthy and, and recovering from practice, and um, you know how you go about doing that was interesting too. So yeah, I mean, I think he was on there for like an hour plus, and uh, a lot of really well thought out answers. And I'm sure we'll get some more from him this week. But um, yeah, I think as we still get to know him. As a coach, as a person, kind of what what uh, makes what makes him tick, what, what's important to him. Um, these sort of interviews are always really enlightening. Yeah, he's um, son of a preacher man, right? Son of a preacher <laughs> man. You can always tell, but I love the transparency within that. Hey, I have a couple more on uh, base. I want to ask because I think this is a major shift. Uh, it's the whole volunteer jobs right now that uh, I believe now they'll be able to be paid correct starting in July, and what impact that is for college baseball. Right. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed talking with uh, Danny Marcuso at Nebraska mm-hmm. about that and then uh, the, the volunteers at, at Creighton and UNO as well. Um, you know, for, first of all, like every volunteer coach uh, has a great story because they're mm-hmm. not being paid. And so, like, they obviously have a passion for it and are, are creative about trying to find ways to stay in the industry and, and become a coach. Um, so it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, all those guys at this moment – don't necessarily have anything guaranteed because all those decisions will come down to individual schools and athletic departments and teams. So you don't know, you know, there will be some schools out of the 300 division one programs that will not be able to afford or will Mm -hmm. not be willing to pay that third coach. So you don't ever know for sure. I I think it's a safe bet that Nebraska and our in-state schools will go down that road. Um, You know, whether that's what the, the guys who are currently there sort of remains to be seen, um, so it's it's interesting because the decision uh, will affect a lot of of individual careers. It will, it will allow more guys to stay in the field, um, but you know at the same time it doesn't. You talk to some of the head coaches out there, it doesn't solve the problem of the coach to the player ratio. I mean, you still are going to have um, a head coach and then three assistants for about forty, you know, upwards of forty players on a given roster. So it's still about like a 10 to one uh, ratio, which you're not really looking for that. They're hoping to add assistance. Um, you know, you look at college baseball and, and there are a lot of other changes that could be looming in the next couple of years with increased scholarships from 11.7 to doing away with minimums to increasing the roster size. There are a lot of things still on the, on the back burner there, but this is a good first step. I think it, 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 it's a nod toward the fact that college baseball continues to grow. I mean, you look at the TV numbers from last year and the interest and how the College World Series 
continues to draw strong ratings and strong strong crowds, um, I think it, it makes sense that you're going to want to invest more in that sport, even though most schools do not make money off of baseball. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of interest there. So I think it's it's sort of recognized as, as a necessary overdue step, um, but there's still a lot that needs to be done and that people want to be done as they continue to advance the sport moving forward. Yeah, and I think that's a big point, like advancing the sport. People, kids that come out of college and want to coach and find them a spot. Because even in your article, like even Will Bolt talked about, how he he might have gone a different route. He would definitely would have gone a different route if this was the case. But you put yourself in a situation, and, and he is where he is today. So uh, good stuff. Hey, Also, I want to ask you, because we are like 18 days away I know if you looked at it, you're uh, the Mensa of what we do right now with college baseball. Um, who's the class of the Big Ten? Because those rankings will come out soon, right? You're talking about like projections for yep. who will win? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think you know, I think Maryland probably has deserved that. They lose the the Big Ten Player of the Year in Chris Eileen, but they bring a lot back. Um, you know, their their pitching is is pretty strong. That's one of the things I always look at when I start sort of putting together my own projections is what does the rotations look like for all the teams coming back and, and who has an ace and who doesn't because it's always a crapshoot as to who steps out. And I think Maryland stands out in that regard with a couple of uh, you know proven arms who are back. Uh, they were far and away the power leader in the Big Ten last year, and they return a lot of their production there. So I think you have to start with Maryland. I think Rutgers has earned – uh, consideration, even though they did lose a lot from a team that should have been in a regional last year, uh, just missed out. Um, you know, but elsewhere, there's a lot of a lot of interesting uh, turnover. I mean, Indiana flipped almost as much of its roster as Nebraska did. Michigan is moving on, uh, you know, to a new head coach and a new situation. They lost a lot in the transfer portal. I think Northwestern has a new coach this year. So there's, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of turnover. I think. In my opinion, in my research that I've done, I look at what Nebraska's added. I think um, you know a guy like Kaminska and a guy like Charlie Fisher. Those are um, big, big ads, especially relative to the rest of the league. Where um, you know other schools made some some decent additions too, but I think Nebraska's is as strong as anybody's. Um, and so you know, in terms of where Nebraska falls, I still think they're a a top four team in the league um, with upside. I mean, you never know. Uh, it's harder than ever to project these things because of how active the, the portal really is. And you don't know, uh, you know, how guys maybe will translate coming in from other leagues. But I think again, you have to start with Maryland, probably Rutgers, um, and, and and Indiana. I think is getting a lot of love too as a as a a team with a lot of high upside players. But I put Nebraska right up there in that top group like they usually are, um, somewhere in that top four with a chance to make a run if things break right. Oh, man, it's awesome stuff. It's hard to believe it'll be 18 days away, and we're going to be out in out in California playing some baseball, man. So, Evan, man, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Take care. Thanks, guys. See you. Evan See you, Evan. Omaha World here. 18 days, 10 hours, 10 minutes, 30 seconds and counting. Nebraska baseball. Think about that. Like, we're headed to, Cal- they're headed to California. Yeah, and it's uh yeah the california swing is always fun to yeah they'll to go, cover they get a four game set out there february 17th out against san diego and then you got then you're at a mobile alabama southern alabama out there south alabama then you got that college class which i think everybody be looking at yeah that's vandy hawaii Ole miss mm-hmm. measuring stick time right with programs like that so uh thanks to evan right that was awesome stuff all right, man. Sorry about the extended break. We're having so much fun with Evan. Uh, but, you know, refill, recharge, and we'll be back with the West Training at.